Would you like to be a fly on the wall to hear some of the dialogue between the developers and the content creators as they were testing the new builder base? Would you like to learn how to do more powerful things with the Super Archer Blimp? Would you like to learn about the Super Hog Rider? Okay, the last one's a bit of verbal clickbait. Somebody just asked me what I would do if I designed the troop. Inside Clash with Trample Damages Teaching you how to go out there and spam some E-Drags Did you say E-Drags? Yeah, I said E-Drags What is your problem? There's none of that in this podcast But E-Drags Hello, Clash fans. Thank you for joining us today for this second episode. Well, uh, actually, us. For for joining me, because like there's like five of me. Instincts kick in. I'm used to thanking people. So thank you for joining me today for the second episode of Inside Clash with Trample Damage, where, if I did this correctly, the Builder Base update would have dropped yesterday, and we are going to wind up taking a true insider's look at some of the development and the release of the testing that the creators were able to participate in leading up to the rollout and the launch of Builder Base 2.0. Additionally, we are going to talk about something near and dear to the hearts of many Town Hall 15 players. And no, it is not simply not failing in Clan War League, but the Super Archer Blimp. We're going to talk about the spell composition, because I've seen a lot of people use two clone spells with one rage and six invisibility, and I've seen other people use one clone with two rage and seven invisibility spells. We're actually going to break down the math on that, give you an idea as to which one is possibly better for you, and then we're going to go ahead and finish up with questions, questions from the audience! By now, you have had the opportunity to download and install and start tinkering with BuilderBase 2.0, which is completely reshaping the landscape of the BuilderBase attacking and loot-gathering systems. I would like to walk you through my take and my journey through being a part of the testing for the BuilderBase 2.0. We found out as creators back on April 26th what the exact schedule was going to look like between when the Builder Base Bonanza would start and what the three sneak peeks would include. So like first sneak peek, uh, we had an opportunity to show the troop rework, the new abilities, and the battlecopter up. Update number two would be the new reward system in terms of how to get gold and elixir. And the third update would be announcing Builder Hall 10 and talking about the new troop of the Electro Fire Wizard. And then we also knew back on April 26th that the target launch date was going to be May 15th. Now, I'm I'm sure other creators like myself, we wind up getting questions from people all the time like, hey, do you think the update's coming soon? When do you think it's coming? And I was just go like, I don't know. It's a great question. I'm not allowed to tell you even if I do know because we're not allowed to share that information. I mean, we could, but then we'd probably get kicked out of the creator program. I like being in the creator program, so I'm not going to wind up jeopardizing that anytime soon just to tell people that things are coming. Now, once the Builder Base Bonanza hit, when the deals appear in the shop on the 12th, they'll say like, something big is coming soon. And so when people would ask me, hey, you know, when do you think the update's going to come? I would tell them, well, I mean, look at the deals in the builder shop. I mean, uh, in the builder base. That'll probably give you some kind of idea. So it was really fun to be able to be a part of this process. And the Clash team outlined a very clear plan for what they wanted to test. They wanted to see how the matchmaking systems worked. And they also wanted to get a little bit of feedback from us on the troop abilities, what attacks feel like they're overpowered or underpowered. And so the first real exposure that we had was an invitation for everybody to get on 
and for the first time, we were actively encouraged to record what we were calling beta footage. Now, it wasn't quite as exciting for me as I thought it was going to be because I'm recording footage back in the end of April that I can't show until May 10th. So it's kind of like, eh, I mean, it's cool, but I'm going to be showing it right before things launch anyway. But, you know, it's always fun to be able to do things that are like, you know, the insider's look. So, of course, you know, we were all excited to start recording stuff. And what we got to do was uh, I missed out on the very first batch because I was at work because I live, you know, in Las Vegas. I'm on, you know, Pacific time in the U.S. So, like, when it's like nine o'clock in the morning for me here, it's like in the evening evening in Europe and everybody's excited and they're you know home from work and then relaxing and everybody was like all the creators are on there at the same time and the the request was for everybody to pick a builder hall 7 load and don't be in the same clan as everybody else because otherwise it wouldn't match us against each other and then just start attacking as much as possible for an hour it gave the clash development team an opportunity to see the matchmaking system in progress that goes above and beyond what they would have been testing internally because as big as the clash team and the supercell teams have gotten over the years it's it's another thing altogether to have you know tens of other people coming in and jumping in doing things that you may not necessarily wind up expecting in terms of how we're deploying the troops and when we're using the ability so there's a lot of great feedback they're able to get there and i you know i missed out on the very first round i got to see some of the comments from people in the creator slack about the questions that people had and the excitement they experienced when they ended up getting like you know their first six star attack and other people saying things like i'm i feel like i'm doing terrible at this this is not working out all that well for me and the main things that they're looking for like if the game is crashing post about it and i know inevitably there will be bugs just like there always are and somebody's going to complain people are going oh they suck they don't even test this stuff and i'm telling you there is so much testing and so much rigor that we wind up going through trying to make sure that when these things launch they launch with no problems but inevitably stuff will crop up and of course the team is probably going to be working many 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 long days addressing and fixing any additional bugs that don't come up because some of the stuff that's kind of weird like as we're going through the testing process we'd see things like oh well when uh you know it, it looks like if you had such and such happening in the main village while you were looking in the shop and you tried to put an obstacle on the battlefield then all of a sudden like the game crashes and what they're looking for there is what what operating system are you using what kind of device are you using and it just helps them troubleshoot all these bugs ahead of time so that it can have a cleaner launch launch when it winds up going out to the public but in the same way that having the creators jump in to test and provide feedback that adds a lot more humans and more throughput to let the clash team test it there's literally nothing like having millions of people come on at the same time and all start tinkering with the new stuff right inevitably things will will go wrong we will have bugs but the clash team will of course like normal come in fix them all get us patched up and have us off to the races now, it was a lot of fun to be able to see some of the different troops and to get to test some of these things and also to, you know, play with and attack some of the other creators. And there was a lot of funny dialogue, like especially in the creator slack. Um, we saw, um, I think it was Ninja, Clash Ninja. If you don't know who Clash Ninja is, Clash Ninja created a tool that is for keeping track of your base progress and it'll tell you how long different things are going to take. And It's a great tool for managing when your builders will be free and what you want to upgrade next. It's a, an amazing tool. He is a supercell creator he does have creator code ninja so if you do have multiple creators you want to support including me trample damage use code trample you can use uh, creator code ninja as well and if you haven't checked out his his tool definitely check it out he's also got 
I, he has a Discord server out there somewhere, and he's super friendly, super smart dude. I've had some opportunities to chat with him uh, quite a bit on Discord and in the creator program. Who He's also one of the most vocal people when update stuff is coming out. He has a great mind. He's very technology-focused. He asks a lot of really good questions, a lot of very subtle nuances because he wants to make sure that the Clash Ninja tool is all set and you know everything's all squared away there. But he commented that he kept getting matched against Big Veil. Or no, was it Big Veil that kept getting matched against Ninja? I think it was... I think Ninja kept getting matched against Big Bale and he was like, hey, no, you know, no, no offense. It's not like a, you know, a vendetta or anything like that. And, and it was just cool seeing some of the, some of the creators attacking each other. And you know, like Sir Moose is talking about attacking Kenny Joe and Joe's attacking about, you know, when he first got his, his first six star, he was really excited about it. And you know, people were posting screenshots and discussing the army compositions they were using. And I, I gotta tell you, I'm the bomber ability is super cool. Looking like the, the the super bowler, the triple bounce with the explosion, that's a really cool troop. I think it has such an excellent design. I'm really excited to see how that winds up panning out. There are a lot of air attackers, and this is one thing Ninja was saying that he wanted to see. And yes, I'm trying to drop names because there are a lot of creators that were working in here and playing in here. So. Ninja was saying that he wanted to test out the dropship minion strategy because that was one of his go-to strategies throughout all of the Builder Base, so he wanted to see how well that would wind up working out. And then seeing some of the Clash team chime in with, oh, you know what, try using the dropships to tank for the baby dragons because that's actually pretty good because by the time the dropship goes down and deals a ton of damage with its new ability, then it's cleared a path for the baby dragons, and that's such a good way to be able to work our way through things. So uh, some other stuff that was pretty cool was, you know, we, we got to see a lot of just questions that the creators start thinking about. And Itsu is also another person who's very vocal. He asked a question, uh, oh no, somebody, I think Big Vale asked a question about the possibility of seeing what the second stage of the builder base was going to look like when you first go in. And Itsu chimed in pretty quickly saying that he didn't think it was a good idea because the traps, which one of the things he brought up is the air bomb would not kill it took two air bombs to kill a minion was it two or no two air bombs wouldn't kill a minion it would take like a third air bomb so he was saying like traps aren't as powerful as they were before because with fewer troops they some of them do have a few more hit points and so if the traps aren't necessarily as powerful as they used to be maybe the best trap that you have is the unknown layout of the second stage and if people see what that looks like then maybe they would be able to plan a little bit more effectively and not have that same element of surprise and then some dialogue ensued between the creators about, oh, yeah, that's a good point, probably better. And then one of the development team chimed in and said, hey, you know, uh, plus who knows? You know, like we've got bronze stars and silver stars. So you're like, you know, maybe there will be gold stars. So I think that that's kind of like implying the possibility of one day having like a third level or maybe even more because you could theoretically have it unbounded you just have to add more reinforcements and more troops and it's, of course it would be substantially more complicated but let's just pretend that there were going to be eventually a a total of three stages that you would attack through the the amount of time it would take to still, sort of like scroll through all three of those layouts and figure it out would be very challenging uh, but being able to 
have that element of surprise, as Itsu put it, about what the second layout's going to look like. He basically said, imagine your first layout, you design a very, you know, anti-ground attack. And then so people wind up using and committing a lot of air troops. And then in the second base, it's a very heavy anti-air attack. And so then maybe the air troops that you pre-programmed, yes, of course, you can pull with your reinforcement camps some ground troops to help su- supplement whatever's left over from the first attack. But I, And I completely agree with that. I think it was an absolutely excellent point. Now, some of the other stuff that was kind of exciting when we were going through, you know, we were talking about how involved the attack feels, which, again, some players I think are going to hate how involved the attack feels. The spam strategies that a lot of people have used over the years are not going to be as effective. They'll still work against some of the bases where people have rushed beyond belief all the way through the game. You'll be able to still spam troops in and have a pretty reasonable success rate. But when you start getting into a higher trophy count or when you're going up against defenses that are a little bit more leveled up, it's going to require a much greater degree of precision, which is really clear when you look at the Builder Bonanza bases, you can see some of those attacks, if you don't strategically place your troops, you'll get like 23% and go, where did all my troops go? Which I'll wind up posting stuff on TikTok to show people how to beat these things. Some of them, they're really elegant solutions, like put a boxer giant on this crusher and put one archer over here and another archer over here, and then all of a sudden the base basically melts and goes down to a baby dragon or to two minions. And the regular bases and the regular attacks are going to function in a very similar way. As as well designed as people can make these bases, there will be ways to pick them apart, and it will be very satisfying to get these you know, three or six star attacks. That being said, we're going to have to work for it. For me, Builder Base has always just been like, spam a line of giants, spam some cannon carts, throw in a couple bombers, drop the battle machine, trigger his ability, and then force close the app and come back in and see what happened. I'm not going to have the same opportunity to do that, which on the one hand, I'm looking forward to because I do enjoy the strategy, I do enjoy the challenge, but it's also going to mean that I have to spend a little bit more time while I'm going through the process of either pushing in trophies or farming loot to be able to upgrade some of the cool new stuff that's coming out. There were definitely a lot of questions about the time, because you know we have two minutes on the map now, and about the size of the map shrinking, and everybody felt pretty good about it because with the defenses being divided up across the two bases, we don't really need as much real estate as before, but this actually brings up an interesting thing that the development team told us ahead of time, hey, listen, we know that it's going to shake things up because the layouts are going to be smaller and people are going to have their bases somewhat just like sort of shuffled around and people are going to come into the game and just see these sort of like new layouts for their buildings and one of the problems downsides stresses the grass art that a lot of people create the development team acknowledged early on hey unfortunately the grass that's out there it's going to wind up messing up the grass art because i know a lot of people have spent a bunch of time and energy and by now somebody who spent a lot of time and energy putting together really cool grass art is probably feeling frustrated that it is no longer where it used to be and the developers did say hey look we're going to put the notes out here in a google doc if you guys anybody wants to take a look through the exact order of operations in how we transition from old builder base to new builder base with multiple layouts here are the exact processes and procedures that we're going to wind up going through 
And it was really cool to see through. It's like, okay, for Builder Hall 6, we're going to add the second stage. Then we're going to automatically move the, the elixir storage, the gold storage, the pump, and the gold mine to the second stage. Then we're going to calculate the number of outposts and reinforcement camps and archer towers and wall pieces. And, and if you've got a certain number of outposts and fewer than a certain number of reinforcement camps and fewer than a certain number of archer towers and less than a number of wall pieces, then it's going to wind up putting the appropriate number of pieces that are missing in order to be able to to lay out the second stage and then also adding obstacles to the second stage um, of the types and the count that'll match the initial stage two layouts and then for builder base five and below they've got a couple of different things they're going to try, try to do to preserve the existing layout but there was a lot of complexity that would go through and it was this because all this is programming right had a very very clearly defined steps for how to actually functionally move all of the stuff around and it was it was a lot of fun for me to actually read through that. And again, Clash Ninja was was asking a lot of questions and providing a lot of feedback about there. Um, you know, this is this was very early on, and uh, you know, lots of great feedback from people. Uh, Itsu was very you know uh, honest with some of the feedback about Builder Hall Ten, uh, talking about the you know the number of bombs takes to kill the minions, and that the Teslas won't make the air battle machine retarget, and sometimes the visual arrow that uh, display the ground or uh, the ground or air mode for the hero sometimes would both be pointing down uh, comments like it's who felt like the giants were too strong and that the ability should be a a reduced number of seconds and there was also I think he, he made a comment about the the hell of uh, the battlecopter being a, like a kind of an odd sound and that you know he's not really sure that uh, if it uh, if anybody else felt the same way, but he thought it was kind of like a weird sound. Uh, it was it was definitely really exciting to see all the feedback that people ended up giving, and there were you know one of the things that was interesting. There were a lot of questions about you know everybody always the creators always intend to release the notes and release the feedback at an appropriate time. So there were a lot of questions about, okay, so this new sneak peek thing, right? The very first day people were like, so I can start sharing this footage today. And then people would chime in. No, you didn't, you didn't read that correctly. It says May 10th, you can release the, the beta footage on May 10th. And then the other specifically prescribed update notes that will be corresponding with sneak peeks you can uh, release on the 11th and the 12th and the 13th or with 12 12th 13th and 14th leading into the launch of the new builder base on the 15th but it's interesting because a lot of people were very clearly trying to get information from each other and share and be friendly and be helpful but at the same time there are times where people do wind up sometimes making mistakes and the, you know everybody like tries to keep an eye on each other and i did have so like one the night before sneak peak number one beaker's lab posted beaker i think he goes by beaker um, he posted and said hey is anybody willing to watch my nine or ten minute long youtube video to just see if there's anything that i'm not supposed to be showing because a lot of people and we saw this even at the town hall 15 update people accidentally had an image of the electro titan in their troop bar when it was on an earlier sneak peek and so there was a lot of concern that people would show the electro fire wizard uh, prior to the third day so the people were like hey make sure that your army doesn't include the electro fire wizard make sure you don't show this screen here and 
Beaker's lab did say, hey, if anybody can take a look through my video. So I said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm free right now. I'll take a look at it. And it was clean. I didn't see anything that looked out of the ordinary. And it was actually, uh, the video was very well done. And um, Itsu is, you know, I mean, this is like, I do this for fun. Itsu does this for a living, as do many of the other creators. And he's very tenacious about making sure that people are not violating what they are not supposed to be showing. Because it's, you know, it's information, right? And information is power. And it can gather a following or a viewership and so he called somebody out and said hey this post that you made here like you're clearly showing something you're not supposed to the person's like oh, i'm super sorry my bad i'm gonna I'll, I'll delete that and i'll i'll close that down and um so there's a there's a lot of effort that people put into making sure that they're only showing the things that they're supposed to be showing and it is a lot of coordination so like we all have to be very strongly capable of functioning by ourselves and taking limited direction, but everybody's very willing to help each other out and answer questions because we, at the end of the day, we all want to be able to just share with the communities that we're a part of. And, you know, I did think it was funny. Um, I had, so like right before the, so I'm, I'm actually recording this on third day of sneak peek. So the battle, I mean, the uh, builder hall 10 and the electro fire wizard are out. And I had somebody report me in the creator slack saying hey trample damage you posted something i don't think you're supposed to show um it was the day oh no it was the day but yeah it was it was the day of the first sneak peek when they or maybe the second sneak peek was it yesterday it was yesterday morning so the day of the second sneak peek because i had builder hall 10 in a tiktok that i posted back on april 6th but all i did was take the you know they were doing the builder blog on and off throughout the the last six or seven months and there was footage that they released of an attack they weren't there was no dialogue no troop stats and it had a level 10 builder hall with the there was like an expo sitting in the middle of the base and so i was i was essentially called out for showing stuff i wasn't supposed to show now i was at work when that uh, accusation was was levied against me and a couple other people said no this is from the builder blog and all the stuff that i said in that video all the stuff i showed in that video literally came from the builder blog note and the video that was in there which was a very popular video on youtube it got i mean on uh, tiktok it got almost a million views and i just thought it was really funny that i was essentially getting called out for something that was completely fine and that there was no problem with but again then the person was like hey sorry about that but you know there was a ton of feedback from uh corrupt from itsu from ninja uh, cleopatra joe uh, RS Clash, uh, you know, a couple, a bunch of other creators, you know, Congressman Coolrick chimed in with a few things. You know, people are very interested in sharing their feedback. Sir Moose chimed in quite a bit. Uh, he's he's really friendly. Also, somebody who is uh, somebody that I interact with on a pretty regular basis. Um, you know, Carbon Finn actually, you know, on, on a somewhat of a lighter note, at one point was like, I don't understand what's happening. I'm trying to load the the new expo, but it won't let me put it where I think it's supposed to be. And it just showed that there are so many nuances to this new update because there's a limit to the number of defenses that you can have on each side of the map. And so he was unable to move the expo from the second stage to the first stage because he had too many defenses on the first stage. And so these are things that people will eventually wind up figuring out as they like, you won't just be able to put this like mass wall of all your defenses on the first stage, making it impossible for people to get past it. There is a limit to the number of defenses you can put on each of these stages and people will have to figure that kind of stuff out as they go. But it was a lot of fun being a part of the process and tinkering with the new troops and testing the new stuff and being able to provide feedback. The two main changes that I saw from testing into what would be the final release of the game had to do with the battle copter and the giant cannon. So the mortar in or the battle, the cannon cart in mortar mode could outpace 
or outrange a giant cannon because it's, I think, a nine and a half tile radius for the cannon cart in mortar mode, and the giant cannon has a nine tile radius. So appropriately planned, you can park a mortar or a cannon cart in mortar mode outside the range of a giant cannon, and that was not intended to be the case. So shortly before the last... Uh, update was released or the last batch of notes were released the range on the giant cannon was increased from nine to nine and a half that way the cannon cart in mortar mode would not be able to outpace it the other big change that was made was the battlecopter or the um battlecopter yes battlecopter the battlecopter was reworked so that the damage per second that it dealt initially was reduced by 10%. Itsu had pointed out at one point that the cannon copter felt that the battle copter felt too powerful that it could essentially warden walk with no healers, right? Because of its range and its damage, it could clear a large chunk of the base that didn't have air targeting troops there and that it was maybe a little bit too powerful of a unit. So the initial damage that it deals was reduced by 10%, and then it got a buff to the ability. So ability levels 1, 2, and 3, ability 1 was increased by 100%, ability 2 was increased by a further 50%, and ability 3 by 35%. So those were all things that were, those were like the two main things, the reworking of the battlecopter and the distance on the giant cannon. But it was a ton of fun. I'm super excited to see how everybody feels about it. Hopefully it'll be all nothing but positive feedback, but you know, of course, we will wind up seeing how that goes. Now, that will bring us to our second topic for the podcast today, which is the the Super Archer Blimp and the spell composition that goes into the Super Archer Blimp. I have seen a lot of people ask questions about the appropriate spell composition, and what I wanted to do is take somewhat of a mathematical approach to this in addressing the answer. Now, the Super Archer Blimps, for the most part, people are not putting four Super Archers in there. They're usually putting three Super Archers, and then, like my personal preference is, three Super Archers, a Super Wall Breaker, because it's one troop, it gets out of the way very quickly, and I do not run the risk of cloning it, along with a couple of other goblins that usually wind up disappearing very quickly because of all the damage that is being dealt in the core, and they usually run outside the initial range of where the clone spell would be because you're usually not dropping it on top of storages. You're normally dropping it near defenses. So if you take a super archer and it deals 156 damage per second, originally there were going to be three super archers coming out of the blimp. I've seen some people use, everybody uses at least six invisibility and one clone and one rage. The question is whether or not to use a second clone or to sub the second clone for another rage and a seventh invisibility spell. I personally have been using this model with the seven invisibility spells and the two rage plus the clone. I'll get into some of the nuances in a minute. I want to walk through the damage for just a moment because that's sort of where like the math comes in if you have three super archers and you drop a clone spell you'll get three more super archers so six super archers dealing 156 damage per second will deal 936 damage per second unraged the rage spell adds 180 percent of the damage that they deal on top so it'll deal a total of 280 percent of that 156 damage per second Now, if you have seven invisibility spells, and I'm just going to do everything perfectly timed. If you have seven invisibility spells perfectly timed back-to-back at four and a half seconds each, you would have 31 and a half seconds of total time that your super archers could be dealing damage. Two rage spells instead of 
a single rage with two clone. Two rage spells would give you the the time says rage spell lasts 18 seconds. So for all practical purposes, I feel like it's only closer to 17 because I think as it's fading out that last second, it's maybe not doing anything. But let's just go with the sticker, right? It says 18 seconds. So you have 36 seconds worth of time, but only 31.5 seconds worth of invisibility. So for all intents and purposes, the entire duration of those six super archers would be under rage. So 936 damage per second for 31 and a half seconds with a rage spell would deal 82,555 damage. So let's just call it 82,500. If instead you chose to use three super archers with two clones, you'd now have nine super archers, which unraged would deal 1,400 damage per second. The 1,400 damage per second with one rage, if you get 18 seconds of rage, that would be nine seconds of unrage, because now you're only going to have six invisibility spells at four and a half seconds apiece. Again, perfectly timed to be 27 seconds of unraged nine super archers. They would be dealing the 1,400 damage per second strictly for nine of those seconds for 12,600 damage, and then the 280% for 18 seconds dealing 70,700. Now, perfectly placed, exactly every single second counting, the two clone, one rage, six invisibility version would deal 83,400 damage, where the two rage, one clone, seven invisibility would give you 82,500 damage. So basically a 900 damage differential additionally, if you're using the nine super archers. So purely mathematically with perfect timing, one could argue that two clone spells with a single rage is better than the one clone spell with two rage. But here's what I'll say. If you put 12 P.E.K.K.A.s on a single gold mine, at the exact same time, you're going to have tons of damage hit that gold mine, which means a bunch of wasted damage because you don't need more than one P.E.K.K.A. attacking a gold mine to destroy it. In much the same way, nine super archers in the core, you'll have situations where, yes, they absolutely decimate a gold storage or an elixir storage, but sometimes there's a lot of wasted damage because you've got nine super archers firing at something that could have been destroyed by only six. And the nine seconds worth of no rage that you're giving up can sometimes be a bigger problem for you. The other thing that I advocate about having the second rage spell with the extra invisibility is everybody who's done a super archer blimp has had a mistake, right? They drop it and they don't time something right and a scattershot wipes out your super archers or a tornado trap pulls your super archers into a bomb tower and a giant bomb and all of a sudden you have spells that are useless. If you wind up spending both of your clone spells and a rage and an invisibility right away and then something goes wrong you potentially have now just a couple of invisibility spells. If you go the route of one clone, of course things can still go wrong, but in terms of recovery, you've already realized that things went horribly awry, and you would still have at least one extra rage spell, which can often make the difference in saving the the, the two-star to pick up the town hall. And that's one of the reasons why I am advocating that people wind up using the two-rage, one-clone version, because it not only it gives you longer to be dealing damage in the core, 
and even though you have fewer troops dealing the damage, the damage will be more precisely deployed, much like an expo, right? Expo deals so much micro damage because of how fast it fires versus the mortar. Mortar individual shots deal a ton of damage, but at only hitting every five seconds, that's why mortars are, you know, they they play their own special role. The expo, because there's very little wasted damage, as soon as it barely finishes a troop, it moves on to the next one because it's like the warden, right? The warden can power through and, and kill an archer queen through her ability because of how much damage he deals, but it's because he only attacks infrequently. Now, the nice thing about the super archers, when you have a little bit more time with fewer super archers, the damage application is going to be a bit more precise and couple that with the opportunity to potentially save something that goes sideways with a rage spell, I personally am I'm going to wind up sticking with the one clone two rage version, but I certainly see people deploy both of them very successfully. So the last thing that we're going to do here is go through some questions from the audience. And on the first episode, we only answered two questions here. We're going to answer a couple more because some of them are very simple, and then a few of them will be slightly longer. The first question is coming from Wheatley on my Discord server. And if you want to have an opportunity to ask any questions to potentially have them answered on the podcast, please join the Trample Damage Discord server, and you will be able to find the channel in there where you can post your questions. Uh, Wheatley's question is Apple or Android. I am an Apple user. I've been an Apple user since a very long time ago. I've had an iPod. I think I got my first iPod in 2005, and I've been an Apple user ever since. That being said, I did have times earlier on in the game where I was also I would buy cheap Android phones because before Supercell ID allowed me to have multiple bases on the same device very quickly and conveniently, I actually I bought a couple of separate devices to be able to play my other bases. But I record all of my I actually record this podcast on my my iPad. I record most of my YouTube and TikTok content on my iPad or my iPhone. So I am definitely an Apple user. Uh, a question from Liam Titan, who is a Reddit moderator, asked, new Reddit or old Reddit? And I've had people ask me this before, and I, I'm just going to say I think new Reddit because I don't even know what old Reddit means. So I'm going to assume new Reddit. I first started using Reddit when global chat went away, and my ability to pester people to check out my YouTube channel was severely diminished, and I turned to Reddit to try and tell people to check out my videos. A uh, question coming from Void Boy, Coke or Pepsi? I am drinking a Coke right now. Uh, I've I've been a Coke person since I think I was like 20 years old, maybe 19 years old. I was a Pepsi person because my mom was a Pepsi person growing up until I started buying my own soda, and then I started buying Pepsi. I mean, I started buying Coke, and I drink far too much. I, I estimate that I drink around 700 calories worth of sugar every day from my Coke, which means that when my metabolism slows down, I will probably very quickly become a much larger human than I am right now, which is I'm not actually that big of a guy. I'm like 5'10". I weigh about 150 pounds. So not a big dude. Um, metabolism slows down with my current soda consumption. I will probably become a much bigger dude than I am right now. A uh, question coming from Frederic. Will they add new Town Hall 15 upgrades this year? I So I'm not saying this with authority vested in me by Supercell. I find it incredibly hard to believe that we will not see Town Hall 15 upgrades this summer. I, I believe that there was some feedback that I had heard from other people who attended Worlds last year that there would be like a mid-Town Hall 15 upgrade, which would be call it 
halfway through an 18-month cycle, be nine months, so sometime June or July, I anticipate very firmly, I'm very hopeful that we will get a Dragon Rider level, a Yeti level, a Hog Rider level, some of my other favorite troops, possibly a Dragon level or a Balloon level. Uh, I'm very, very eager to see what comes, even if they wind up adding new levels for the defenses like the Scattershot and the Eagle Artillery that didn't get a new level. I really want new levels on Hog Riders, Dragon Riders, and Dragons, and Yetis, more than anything. So I'm really, really cautiously optimistic for that. A uh, question from Jonathan. What is a song or music artist you think is lesser known? I'm assuming the question here is like, you know, like I'm, if Taylor Swift was my favorite artist, I wouldn't probably get anybody to think she's lesser known. So my favorite band is Death Cab for Cutie, which I first started listening to in 2004, uh, shortly before their second um, more popular album, Plans, came out. Transatlanticism was one of their albums. They, it was like their fourth album, I think, uh, that got them a, a little bit more mainstream. So they're still not like wildly popular, but Death Cab for Cutie is my favorite band. Okay, a couple more meaty questions. Uh, Magnus had a question. A lot of troops have been borrowed from other games. What sort of unique troop would you like to see added? So I have a very clear answer on this one. I used to play a game called Samurai Siege, which was essentially a a feudal Japanese version of Clash of Clans. Instead of it being the, the Clash theme, it was more of a samurai theme. And there was a troop in there called the Commander. And what the Commander did was, in the same way the Clash of Clans has balloons hog riders, giants, dragon riders, these troops that will target defenses. The commander was a ground-based troop that moved relatively slowly, almost like think about like Grand Warden-esque type of speed. It's a slower moving troop that targets defenses, but it had an an ability where it would periodically send out this little pulse around it, and troops within that range would be converted from attacking whatever their normal target would be to hunting defenses. So imagine deploying a troop next to uh, a couple of Valkyries, and this troop pulses out toward the Valkyries, and the Valkyries now, instead of going after collectors or army camps or barracks, now are targeting specifically the defenses. I think that would be a really cool troop that would give the a ton of flexibility, and it would introduce a lot of new army compositions and mechanics. Um, the other thing I loved about that troop was, and Samurai Siege had a lot of cool abilities with troops where they had almost like super troops. Uh, with the commander, one of the the alternate variants you could have would be the necromander, where the ne where the commander could have a smaller number of troops that it controlled, but when those troops would die, it would spawn skeletons where they were. So if I could design and add a troop to the game, I would I would rip that off from Samurai Siege because I thought it was super cool. Uh, this question also coming from Liam is, what are your favorite troops and spells in Clash, and what is the most unconventional way you have used them? So my favorite troop by far has always been the Hog Rider. I love the Hog Rider. It feels like solving math problems to carve out a path for the base where the Hog Riders can run through and take the base out. You're going for the Queen, the Royal Champion, the Town Hall, you got to handle the Clan Castle troops, and then everything else is usually a clearly defined path where the hog riders can go and you heal them through there and you warden tome them through there and they will cause all kinds of problems to go along with that i also do love the skeleton spell my biggest push in terms of final global ranking came a month when i was using mass hogs and skeleton spells were key to helping me get through the heroes because this was back when town hall 12 was the highest and we did not have headhunters but we did have skeleton spells that i could dump in front of the enemy queen so hog riders definitely my favorite uh, and the most un 
unconventional way that I've used troops. So I'm going to I'm going to pick a different troop for this is the Lava Hound. I created an attack about a year and a half ago where I used nine lightning spells to take out three air defenses at Town Hall 14 and I used my heroes to take out the fourth air defense. And with no air defenses on the map, the Lava Hound functions just like any other defense hunting troop. So it basically becomes a flying golem. And what I would do is zap out three air defenses, use the heroes to take the fourth, and then use Lava Hounds to tank for Dragon Riders. It was a very effective strategy, which actually I like at Town Hall 15 as well, if somebody puts a couple of Archer Towers close enough to the air defenses. Because at Town Hall 14, max Archer Towers can't be taken out by three lightning spells they still have like 10 hit points but with the buff that the lightning spell gets at town hall 15 you are able to take out archer towers and air defenses and so that's a strategy that i still like to use the last question that i got here is from jonathan you are tasked with creating the next super troop and it has to be the super hog rider what would you name it how does it work so i'm gonna say the way that i would like to see a super hog rider function is that it would have when you first deploy it some level of invulnerability for a very short period of time it can't be too long otherwise it would be you know far too powerful and in addition to being invincible for a short period of time, it has a very small amount of innate healing that would allow it to slowly recover hit points during the course of the attack. I have no idea how many troop capacity you'd need to make it in order to have that function, but that is what I would go for. Now, if the healing was too much, the other thing I would say is that even though maybe the troop capacity wouldn't necessarily be high enough to make it immune to spring traps maybe because they jump over walls and they fly around already maybe the hog super hog rider uh, it would be invincible to spring traps like it would trigger a spring trap like a pekka but not actually be thrown off of the map again if you want to ask some questions for me to answer on future episodes of the podcast please check out my discord server i will always try and you know throw a few into each episode and call out the people that are asking the questions eventually i might try to figure out how to let people send me audio recordings so we can uh, mix up the monotony of hearing my voice for 35 to 40 minutes uh, i do hope you guys have enjoyed this episode of the podcast i hope i provided some really fun information about the sort of like the inside scoop on how some of the development process works uh, as always you can post follow-up questions in the discord server for trample damage i'm happy to answer them there uh, of course always i appreciate if you use creator code trample and you know check out my stuff on tiktok check out my stuff on youtube check out my stuff on instagram i don't know that i post enough on twitter but hey if you want to follow me on twitter let's go ahead and do that in the meantime i'd just like to thank you all for listening all the way to the end of the episode and we will check you guys out on the next podcast